Valentine's Day is upon us, fellas, so make sure you're ready for wherever the night may take you. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so you can be ready for anything on that special day. Two million men are already trusting Manscaped's products. Make sure you're one of them. Your girl can't think of what to get you this year? Tell her to get the gift that's for you and her. The best way to get started is with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Full of the best products to keep you looking, smelling, and feeling nice. The Perfect Package 3.0 is led by the revolutionary third-generation Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features a cutting-edge and skin-safe ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's also waterproof, which prevents a mess on the bathroom floor and in the sink, especially when it's time for Cupid to shoot his arrow. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with a pair of Manscaped boxers, which are easily the comfiest boxers I've ever had, and products to keep the boys in tip-top shape. With the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped to top it off, this is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, two-time defending ATV Motocross National Champion, Cody Jensen. Am I on air? What's up, everybody? We're We're back. back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, and welcome to episode number 45 of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast, presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, available for purchase at shop.csttires.com. I hope you're ready for a special episode tonight. I love digging deep with the riders from the past that I looked up to. And on tonight's episode, it's Mr. Downtown Patrick Brown. The former pro is most notably known for his victory in the first ever ATV Open Invitational back in 2007. But there's so much more to his story, like his incredibly quick rise to stardom within the sport and so much more. Been excited for this conversation for a while now, so I want to jump right in. But first, let's thank all the incredible sponsors that make all this possible. CST Tires, go to shop.csttires.com, Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Script Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads, LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I praised Manscaped's top-notch trimmers on our last episode, including their nose hair trimmer, the Weed Whacker, which is the best nose hair trimmer ever created. But they have so many awesome products. So check out Manscaped. I wish I would have sooner. Get 20% off with free shipping using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Support all these great companies that support us, and for any products that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. 
You're building machines, freshening them up, maybe updating your riding gear as the season nears, and no matter what off-road gear parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. So before you buy, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. Now, the 30-second board is up, it's sideways, and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. Let's go. All right, guys, this next guest is one that I've wanted to get on for a while now, so I'm so excited that we're finally making this happen. Brought to you by Manscaped and their Lawnmower 3.0 electric trimmer. Go to manscaped.com to get 20% off plus free shipping by using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at checkout. It's longtime professional ATV motocross racer, most known for his win at the inaugural ATV Open Invitational at Steel City's Outdoor Motocross National. Say hello to Mr. Pat Brown. What's up, buddy? Thanks for joining me on the Digging Deep ATV podcast no thanks for having me man it's uh really appreciate being on here and uh i've been keeping track of what you're doing on the program and uh you know it's really great that you're putting it out there to people in a new way and uh no i appreciate you having me yeah it's it's obviously i mean obviously thanks for the words thanks for all that stuff it's cool that uh you know somebody like you who's been away for a little while is still in tune with what's going on and kind of following um what we're doing i think there's plenty of people that walked away you know at maybe a similar time as you that don't know what what is going on in the sport anymore don't know what we're doing stuff like that so uh first of all that was really cool i mean um i feel like we connected you know a while back already so i'm, I'm super pumped to make this happen we're so stoked to have you uh you know, I spent a lot of time looking up to you throughout your um, career, obviously. So I'm excited to hear your racing story. But first of all, I mean, what's going on uh, in your life? What's keeping you busy, um, you know, nowadays and, uh, you know, a decade later from your motocross career, what what's keeping you busy now? What are you up to? Yeah, so uh, I'm married with a son. I got a beautiful wife and an awesome little two and a half year old. So uh, that keeps me real busy. Uh, I work as a police officer, believe it or not. So okay, awesome. doing that. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not quite racing, but it's, uh, you know, it's interesting too. So okay, um, yeah, that's it. You know, living up here in New Jersey, we got like three foot of snow. So I don't like that so much, but it is what it is. I thought I knew that you were, uh, you were a police officer. And, um, I sometimes wonder when people get into maybe that line of work who had maybe a, uh, athletic background or something like that. Do you, I mean, I guess what led you there or, or is, do you get any of that? Um, uh, I don't adrenaline maybe isn't the right word, but, but is that something that has that kind of connection or is that, am I making a connection that's not really there? No, I mean, I think that's probably, you know, that's appropriate. Um, you know, my family, I have uh, three brothers and a father that were, you know, police. So oh, okay. uh, for me, that was probably more of the draw. But um, okay. yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different with the adrenaline versus the, you know, it's not like racing where it's just adrenaline 100% of the time. It's, uh, it's different, but there's definitely, it definitely has its moments. So, okay. But um, yeah, you really asked me here. <laughs> uh, that, that's funny. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I thought that that's what you were up to nowadays, which is awesome. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, I don't know how, how did, did you know you were going to do that right away after you kind of hang, hung up the boots? Because that's also a, a transition. Sometimes when people walk away from something you've done for so much of your life, um, sometimes you can almost like lose an identity almost uh, oh, yeah, when absolutely. you're done racing. Yeah. So, uh, did you know you were going to go right into that or how was that transition? Uh, you know, it's something I always kind of wanted to do. And um, honestly, when I hung it up in 2010, it wasn't even available. It was kind of a downturn then. Okay. Um, and I ended up uh, flying airplanes. I, I had been a pilot for a while and kind of went the route of, uh, 
you know, Gus and Bird, they've, they're both pilots too. Yep. Um, so when we were actually too, we were, we we're all kind of flying and I, I decided to make that a career. Uh, I did that for a couple of years and I wanted to move back home by the family. So I ended up uh, at that time, it was a good time to get into law enforcement. I was able to do that uh, and move back, back up to New Jersey and you know, now when it snows like this, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you. Uh, this morning when I got up, it was it was negative twenty four here in Wisconsin. So, um, oh, and, uh, and we got the same thing. We got a couple feet of snow. So, uh, yeah, I, I know I know where you're at. But um, well, you've been out of racing the racing scene now for a while, uh, a decade or whatever, like you kind right. of referenced there. Um, but you do have some connection to current racing, right? D- you got together with Nick Janusa a little bit um, this past season and, and you helped him out in a way uh yeah sure. you know i i had some uh some stuff at the house. i actually had a starting gate and i knew nick mm-hmm. was uh struggling with the start so trying to try to work with him some and get him uh have him, he has that gate now we're trying to do starts and stuff like that so i okay. keep in touch with nick um actually i had bought a uh 2021 or 2020 yamaha this past season and he really needed it because there's a shortage of bikes so he okay. bought me out of my last quad right now so you know <laughs> I got to get another one here soon, but um, okay. yeah, so I keep in touch with him, you know, he's a good kid. So, uh, and got to support the Jersey guys. Awesome. Yeah. Again, I think it's so cool that, uh, that you're in, in tune with what's going on, that you still uh, have machines and around the motocross track. So I really like to hear that. Um, let me ask you this. So how often do you maybe speak of, think of, um, or think back to reminisce, uh, about your racing days? Is that something that's on your mind relatively? Uh, nonstop. Relative, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. Not okay. You, can't, you can't get rid of it. Okay. Yeah. Cause that was such a big part of your life, right? When you think yeah. about, uh, when you think about uh, how long you did, it, I mean, that's a huge segment of your life. So I uh, kind of to start this thing off. Um, you have people that I've, I've talked to where they're like, yeah, I just, you know, that was a chapter and I closed that chapter, ended that chapter. And now I don't really think about it that much. So, um, but I feel like just already from talking to you, I can feel that yeah, that's, that's obviously a chapter, something you really enjoy, still love. You still love the sport. Um, and, and, uh, maybe the time was right to get out of it when you got out of it, but it's not like you gave it up cause you didn't enjoy it anymore. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't give it up cause I didn't enjoy it. Um, you know, it was, it was timing with us, you know, with that, that year, 2010, we were dealing with, you know, Kramer won the championship, couldn't find a ride the next year. Mm-hmm. So I was exactly. looking at it like here I was, uh, I didn't have a great year in 2010, um, and I was like, where am I going to go from here? So, mm-hmm. uh, when you see the champion struggling to find a ride, I was like, yeah, you know, but I, you know, I'm happy for, you know, Ween was able to stick it out and had a few rough years and then, you know, look at him. So, and he yeah. keeps me thinking about it too. Cause I'm like, Hey, you know, we're the same age. We have a birthday <laughs> right around the same time. I'm like, man, but, uh, no, it's been a long 10 years to get back to something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I was going to ask you that. Maybe we'll get uh, into chat at the end of the episode uh, a little later on, but um, yeah, I mean, your, your name will last forever within this sport, within, in, within uh, ATV racing, probably most notably because of that historic um, first ever ATV open invitational victory that you had. But first I want to take it back to the very beginning and ask you, um, you know, how you got into ATV riding and racing. Um, you know, I know after things kind of took off after you started, uh, you know, really taking it seriously it was a really quick rise for you um but i mean tell me about when you first started riding and how that led uh, i think there was i think maybe you rode for a while and then got into racing later so take me through that yeah so um yeah with that inauguration win or with the uh with the invitational win um and a lot of my wins i'm kind of looking back at them and it's like 
whenever there was a lot of people around is when I really shined. So um, yeah, that kind of thing. So yeah, it started off. Uh, I've been riding since I was like four years old. You know, playing around fields and riding with buddies and stuff like that. Um, didn't actually go to the first race that I ever went to until I was 16. I was okay. well equipped on a Yamaha Raptor, <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> like stock, stock Raptor. Uh, okay. um, but I loved it. It was uh, Sleepy Hollow. This is 2000, oh, yeah. okay. 2001. Um, okay. And man, Sleepy Hollow back then uh, and, and District 6 back then, just the district races, it was it was nutty. I mean, uh, you had Natalie, Dunk, Diver, uh, just all just this whole slew of guys that would come out and sure. it was like pro gate at the local races. So, um, you know, got in there, started riding. Um, I had to hitch a ride with a friend because my parents didn't want anything to do with it. And then I ended up bringing my mother to the track with me the next time. Um, okay. and she sees me crash and stuff like this. And she goes and tells my father, you know, this is the worst thing you've ever seen. You got to see what he's doing out here. And, uh, so she brings dad the next time to shut it down. And, uh, I think I won that weekend. Dad was like, this is great. And this is the coolest thing ever. You got, you know, we're going, I'm going to get you a new bike and all this stuff. So it was oh like, my gosh. it was exactly the opposite of her plan. And, uh, that kind of took off from there. So that, you know, got me right into, he was into it and we, you know, um, you know, he was always like my main mechanic. So, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, you know, from there, we kind of, by the next season, 2002 started the nationals, uh, I raced B class um, and I was racing A at the locals. And then there was going to be, I remember there was somebody, pro, somebody was going to protest me for riding B. So I moved up to A mid season, um, but it was good that I did. So kind of threw that season away, but I did the whole season in 2002. Okay. Um, and it was just awesome. You know, I had grown up watching these Wavos videos and stuff. And now here I am like watching these guys on the track, Tim Farr and Shane Hitt and Corey Ellis and, you know, the whole group of them is like, Oh, this is this is crazy i'm actually seeing them so um yeah and then uh 2003 what did i, I um oh yeah i have a bone to pick because uh wimmer wanted to tell you that he won all of the races in 265a in okay. 2003 okay that's not true i beat him at danville that year it was the only time i beat him and he okay. always claims it's false because it snowed it snowed god awful on the second day that weekend okay so they took our qualifying times and because I had a faster qualifier, they gave me the overall, they gave him second. So oh, sure. Well, okay. fully, he didn't sweep it that year. <laughs> I joke with him all the time. I called him about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when I read something before you get ahead of yourself, that's awesome tidbit. Um, I had that happen to me once too early in my in my 450 career in an A-class where I won my qualifier. It was like my first 450 race and uh, 1450A, my qualifier, I'm pumped, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, I got, got a good chance for tomorrow. They rained out Sunday and you know I got second because my qualifier was like literally a half a second slower than the other one so I'm like yep. um, yeah, it ruined it, man it was like that was the weirdest weekend it was beautiful on Saturday and then just snow poured down on Sunday I always I always I always liked it there too I liked that track yeah that track was it wasn't my favorite but it was it was a good track yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but, but where I was going with that is I read something that said, uh, in just one year you had went from just entering your first race to already competing in a class. And then you kind of referenced, um, that, uh, you know, maybe that was cause of protesting and stuff like that. Um, but that's where I, I kind of mentioned it already, but your rise was so fast, you know, there's people that take the law, you know, I mean, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, you always want to, um, you don't want to move 
forward too fast, but for you, uh, you were like graduating levels at, you know, a crazy pace. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. I had a lot of experience on the bike, but I didn't have a lot of, um, you know, like the competition, you know, I was riding like around the field and nobody really pushed me. So, um, I also was, had the opportunity and hooked up with some awesome people that really, you know, guided me through it. And, um, you know, they deserve a lot of the credit for my, you know, quick rides, just putting me on the right track. Um, whether it was getting a ride with, you know, I rode with, with Natalie and, uh, Dunkelberger, um, and them kind of being fat, like a lot faster. I always kind of hitched onto somebody faster, um, and tried to ride with them. And that just made all the difference in the world. Of course. Yeah, of course it does. And I feel like, um, I feel like you were a guy that was always kind of around, whether it was the teams you were on and stuff, it seemed like you were always around other great guys. So obviously that helps. Um, but yeah, so you were talking about 2003 and it's crazy to think that you had only been, uh, you know, racing for just a couple of years or whatever at that point. Um, but that, yeah. that, that was an incredible part of the story to me because, um, your instant success was, I mean, that, it's amazing. Like that doesn't happen for people very often at the national level. You know, you won four stroke a that year, the four stroke a national championship. You've talked about when you finished runner up to him uh, yeah. in your other class and uh, you know, either. right. So there's nothing, there's nothing <laughs> like your first title. So I feel like that's probably, um, you know, a year or a title that you probably still hold pretty, pretty, uh, you know, in high regard. That's probably something that's still pretty special. It was, but I gotta be honest. And I think it was probably, you know, it's probably part of the reason, but I always had my sight set higher and, you know, that was just kind of like a stepping stone. It was like, get to the pro class. It was like, you know, okay. get up yep. there and compete with those guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, I took in a lot of my wins and celebrated and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't, that's not the, like one of the ones that stands out. Like okay. I have a few that stand out. Okay. Well, and I feel like too, and, and maybe this is what you're getting at, but when you're expected to win, and when you have goals that are higher than just winning, you know, those classes, um, yeah. I feel like too, it's a dangerous thing because you can almost like not appreciate what you're accomplishing. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, like, it's like, it's like you win or, um, and, and in your mind, you're like, well, that was expected. I, I expected to win. All I did is achieve what I expected to do. Not like you don't even get like this crazy high. Yeah. And by sense. the time getting into the pro class, I would say that, you know, that's definitely the case. Cause there it's like, you know, when you're getting paid by the factory and everything like that, it's like, you know, yeah. I didn't leave the track happy very often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a vicious cycle. So, uh, in, in pro-am and in, in 2000, uh, in 2003 there, or, or maybe that wasn't pro-am yet, but in 2003, what were you riding? So I was riding a, let's see what 2003 for the majority of the season. I was on a, a, a hybrid. It was a, it was actually a Hauser bike. Okay. The Hauser YZ 426. Oh, the 426. Okay. Yep. And I didn't yep. know if you were already on that quad. Okay. Yep. So, um, I can still, I can still picture it by the way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I had, yeah, I had uh, JRD as a sponsor. Um, and about halfway through the season, um, Kevin Mumo from Lost Creek Cycles, I started, you know, working with him. Like I said, I've been riding with Dunk a bunch and, and kind of, he was kind of mentoring me and whatnot. So, um, okay. I, I hooked up with Kevin and Kevin started getting us like, really took us to the next level with like taking care of the bike and doing stuff for us that way uh sure. teaching us the right thing and um so then by the end of that season you know i ended up doing good i get yeah won the four-stroke championship i got two second to 265 
and uh, the y, the YFZ's coming out. Mm-hmm. So get that bike immediately. Love that thing. I mean, that bike still. I can like you know, growing up, you jump on these bigger bikes, and it's like you know, I remember jumping off a, getting off my XR, my Z50, and getting an XR100, and like that next big bike, and just how much faster and how much cooler it was. Yep. And as kind of not really an adult, but as an adult, that was like the only thing that ever like. I, jumped off that bike and jumped on that wire so so excited just that this thing is this good stock and now they're that much better but uh of course so that was cool um and then so that was a full lost creek build we uh kevin took that thing down we built it right and um you know tc motor pp shocks the jb uh components and um wrath and just an awesome bike and Mm -hmm. uh I ended up, I had the, I was where I was going to be. I had the four stroke win and 265 was locked up for second. So the last race of that year, I jumped into the pro-am class on the, the new Lost Creek bike and I actually won my first pro-am race, okay. which, is, which is cool. So yeah, that's incredible. So yeah, then that, so, so then that next year, uh, 04, when you were in pro-am, you were on the YFZ at that point? Yeah. Yep. In 04, I was on the Lost Creek YFC. Okay. Okay. And that would probably be of all my seasons, I'd say 2004 was just, just like my breakout year. Um, it was, it started awesome and it, it was awesome all the way to the end. Well, in, and pro-am is such a prestigious class. I mean, we don't in, in the class structure was a little different back then, but, um, Pro-Am has always been the, the lights class. If you yeah. talk about, uh, yeah. you know, motorcycle racing, you know, that's that, I mean, Pro-Am was so prestigious for so long. So in a year like that, where you win both Pro-Am titles, um, yeah, you're, you're the next big thing, right? Yeah, that's- it was stacked. And uh, yeah, it was definitely awesome. Actually, and it started out even better because, uh, you know, it was full on to training now. And I got, I, you know, things are really coming together, two bikes and, you know, two, two of the same YFCs. That was a big change for me. I had been riding okay. a year past. I had a two stroke and I had this, and like I had nothing that matched. And now right. I've got two bikes that are basically identical. The race bike's a little bit faster. It's got some more trick parts, but like we're talking really close bikes that I can go practice on a practice bike. And I got a race bike. Um, and uh headed out to california with dunk and um that was the first time i actually met Corey ellis and he ended up being a big part of uh who i became because you know he helped me out a ton and um uh but that year we're going out to do the stadium quad series and uh so it was what what were they calling it that year um it wasn't pace it was uh it ran with the monster trucks. Uh, yep. I remember. Yeah. So, I don't know what it was called, but yeah, yep. the first race of them, I, I didn't even qualify. And then I took off the next four races. I was, uh, I got fifth, a second, and then I won the last one. Okay. So and those were pro races. Yeah. So here I was like, you know, the year before I was an A rider and then I came into 2004. I'm like, I want to run this pro quad series in inside. Mm-hmm. And I ended up winning the last race. I was like, you know, even the one before that, I, I hole shot and Timmy Four passed me. And it was like, actually, because I was just looking at, uh, at ATV riders going through, actually, ATV scene, reading the report. And okay. it's like, and I said then, I was like, you know, I'm just honored to be out here with these guys. And here I was, I, I finished second in that race. And then the next weekend I won. So it was, uh, it was incredible. Well, and those were a huge deal back then, right? I mean, that was, that was the who's who. I mean, all you guys were racing them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they suited me well. Unfortunately, the next year was the last year they did them, and I was injured for that season. Um, okay. But 
two things. I mean, the people, they packed those stadiums, 60,000, mm-hmm. 50,000 people. So mm-hmm. that fed into me and the uh, Supercross style was always better for me too. So, okay. Um, yeah, but that took into 2004 and then uh, went through, uh, won both championships, had some epic battles with Jeremy Lawson in that 265 Pro-Am class. Okay. Uh, That's what I was going to ask you. Is, is Really good races. Who were you battling back then? Yeah, so that was, he was the guy that year, me and him. Um, okay. He was on, I think, a JPMX Walsh bike. It was a hybrid. Okay. That's why he didn't ride the production. He was riding the hybrid bike. Okay. And um, we had some battles. We went back and forth, and it was fun. Um, one in particular, I remember Casey, Illinois. We, we were, like, smashing each other in each turn and just, like, came down to the last turn. I, I got him that race, but uh, it, was, it was fun stuff. That's awesome. You guys ended up racing a lot over the, over the course of your career then. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yep. So, uh, but no, that was an awesome year and, and finished it out with, um, I had locked in the championships a little bit early, moved up at, uh, at Daniel Boone, mm-hmm. um, yep. and, uh, it finished my first pro race in fourth. I was just going to say, I mean, your that, that kind of that quick rise, that, uh, desire to be up front or whatever didn't stop when you moved up to the pro class, because yeah, you just missed the podium by, by one spot in your very first pro race. Um, you know, you finished fourth overall. And I was going to ask you about your mindset heading into that race, because I know that you had done the stadium stuff a little bit, but to be at an ATV national, having looked up to these guys, watched all those videos that you did when you were younger, now you're lining up in the pro class against your against guys you looked up to against your heroes um i mean that's a whole nother that's a whole nother ball game that's a that can be a huge mental hurdle i guess so i wanted to know where your mind was at because um something i didn't realize uh i guess at the early part of your career was how young you really were you know when this was all going down so take me through your mindset heading into that that first pro race i mean were you when you finished fourth did you feel like this is where I expected to be? This is where I belong. Or was it still that feeling, even though you just won two pro-am championships that, Hey, I'm just honored to be out here. Take me through your thinking heading in. Uh, what? Well, yeah. I mean, I think by the time that race came along, I was ready. I was, I was fired up. I mean, I've been, been winning all season long. Yeah. I felt awesome. Uh, just worked really well with that bike and stuff like that. So, um, okay. You know, I, I don't think I was surprised. I mean, I think, you know, I was ecstatic to get fourth in my first race, but, um, you know, I knew I could do it. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just an awesome, that was an awesome weekend. It was really fun. Yeah. So tell me about that day. I mean, who, who are you battling with stuff like that? I mean, those are, you gotta, uh, that there's, there's gotta be memories that you, that you still hold on to, I would think. Yeah. I, yeah. So I've knocked a lot of them out of my head from all the crashes, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, no, I know. I just, I moved forward in those races that weekend and I I felt good. Uh, I know it was muddy, Okay. So, um, I remember dealing with the mud and, uh, it was, I know it was a good race. I, I really don't remember the details of who I was battling with. I okay. remember, I remember thinking like every number play that I'd come up to be like, Oh my God, this is, you know, <laughs> you know, this is him. This is that, you know, right. this is Doug Gustin, you know, what am yeah. I doing? I, I remember that, but, um, okay. you know, I was kind of set up for it because of the race in the stadium series. And I had a little bit out of my system. Um, you know, where it hurt me was that once getting fourth, you know, my first, I never expected or wanted to do, you know, worse than that. So of course, next season, it was like, you know, that's where I, I expect to be on the podium. I, and I, that was kind of where I was going with that question too, is when you, just like you said, when you start your pro career that well, 
um, you know, you're setting the bar very high for yourself. So, um, you know, tell me about your rookie season then you're, it looked like you were a constant top 10 threat. Um, you know, I know you capped it with an amazing ride. Uh, I remember that day, like it was yesterday really? of, uh, at Loretta's and you yeah. finishing second in the second moto and literally from that day on from watching that day. Um, yeah, I literally remember the whole rest of your career thinking about you as a contender because burned in my mind was you finishing second at Loretta's and being so strong. I was like, you never know, you know, Pat Brown, he might, you know, he, this might be the day. Um, so, so, uh, I guess, tell me about your rookie season. Then obviously that ride had to be amazing to cap the season the way you did. Yeah. So yeah, going into 2005, uh, late start, I, I, I switched over. We ended up with K and K as the main sponsor that year. Good guys. Um, but we kind of got a late start and then to throw everything on top of it, went down to the winter Olympics, uh, had a bad get off down there, a bad cut on my leg. So that threw me back. I didn't get to do the stadium series like I wanted to. Okay. Um, and came into the first couple of races slow. Cause I was just, I just, you know, I hadn't been riding. So sure. Um, luckily I was working with Travis Spader also in Jersey. He's a physical therapist. So he mm-hmm. got me on board. Like, you know, I was riding like three weeks after this bad injury. So, okay. Uh, and you know, made it to the first round. It was like five weeks later between I have this bad wreck. I got all sorts of staples in my leg. I was looking at my femur through my gear. And then five weeks later, I was riding going to the first race. So oh my gosh. Um, it was a slow start. And then, you know, we had some bike issues to work out. Um, and then uh, actually, I don't know if you know, Tony Kellner. Um, he was Barry Hawk's mechanic. Okay. He came on board the program about mid-season. We really started getting things squared away. Um, the Gibson stuff was working good. And, um, you know, then we started picking off some good finishes and, and you know, ending out like I usually did, ending strong um, and uh, having that second place. I remember battling with Jeremiah in that race and Luberg and some guys. So, um, yeah, that's definitely – that was definitely one that uh, was really good. And I also had some Yamaha support back then, so – from 2004, the, uh, the guys at Yamaha, Steve Nessel and, um, and, uh, Travis Hollins were out there and got talking to them and kind of carried some support into 2005. So it was important, uh, that win at the end of the season, I had a lot riding on it because that gave me some, something to say, like, Hey, I am still here. And, you know, that got me my factory ride in 2006. That's exactly, that was my next question was I, I thought that, um, that ride had probably went into, uh, you know, kind of earning that Yamaha ride that you had, um, that Yamaha support, but yeah, I was going to ask, so it makes so much more sense now knowing, you know, that you're battling this injury coming in that creates a slow start and stuff. Um, but yeah, I got to believe that that strong, strong, you know, finish to the season there, that strong ride had something to do with the factory Yamaha ride. Um, and I was going to ask you how that opportunity came about. You kind of already answered that question, but that had to be surreal too. You know, this kid, just a few years earlier, is that a, is that a track racing his Raptor 700 or whatever, 660 for the first time. Right. Yeah, exactly. The (laughs) 660 for the first time. And, uh, now you're a, you know, you're a factory Yamaha supported rider that had to be the coolest feeling. It, yeah, definitely. And it, and that goes back to, to, you know, with meeting Corey Ellis out there and him kind of, um, I would say, you know, he was really, he put me on the right track with like how to deal with people and how to, you know, the insider California guy. And he, you know, showed me his guys and, show, you know, told me how he deals with these people. And, okay. uh, you know, that was a big help. So Corey was already on the factory Yamaha team. I was tight with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going into 2006, uh, 
you know, I was able to go out there. Corey, you know, took me into his home. I was living with him and stuff like that. Um, I'd ride with him out there and, uh, that's how we worked out that Yamaha deal. So, uh, which worked awesome. Also back in 2005, the other, uh, the one, another good race I had was that, uh, the great outdoor games was in 2005. Oh, yeah. ESPN. Yeah. 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 And that was when ESPN came into our sport and really, right. you know, that was a big part of what pumped it up for those years that I was in it. Um, mm -hmm. I, one of my buddies always talks about my timing uh, coming into the sport was just impeccable. I mean, it was like, I, you couldn't have asked to, to come into the sport and get good in the sport any better time than when I did. Yeah. So, and you know, and then, then there's dudes like me that were just that much too late because when yeah. I was winning like the, the premier youth classes in yeah. like 2006, seven, eight, we got baited in like, Oh my gosh, all these rides, there's all the yep. support, there's all this, whatever. And then as soon as we got there, as soon as we got to top a classes, top like pro-am, then it was like, there's nothing here for us. You know? Yeah, no, it's, I, I hate looking at that for the guys out there now, because it's like, there was times where, I mean, we had, we had Can-Am with two rigs. We had Suzuki with their team, with their factory team and the satellite team. Yep. Yamaha had a full rig. We had, you know, Kawasaki, everybody was Honda had guys. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, so if you came into the sport right now, I feel for these people. Cause if you came in right now, you wouldn't, you would not be able to picture it. You probably wouldn't believe it, but the pro class, the 20 dudes that made the mains made the motos were factory affiliated with somebody. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was the, you know, those good years of seven, eight, nine, we were sending factory guys home out of the qualifiers. You yeah, know, like, it's In crazy. Incredible. They, you know, the, the qualifier, there's 36 guys lined up. Mm -hmm. So it was nuts. It was crazy. And, and again, to think that you were only, you must have been only about 20 years old at that time. And to think that you're figuring out the, the business aspects of these things, because Corey did a great job of being, uh, running his racing as a business, right. And making all yeah. these connections, um, and stuff. And you were learning that at an early age, which is something that, you know, uh, you were able to use to your advantage throughout the end of your career. Yeah, and that definitely, uh, you know, I was always able to talk to people, so that was that was a strong point for me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I mean, learning from Corey and Corey's just good people. So when you know he would go out there and he showed me his, you know, his ways and stuff like that. But um, uh, it, it definitely worked out great for me. Yeah, that's great. So then, uh, tell me about two thousand six. So 2006, um, you know, I, I looked through the results because I'm always like, what, what exactly? <laughs> which, but, uh, which year was you, what? Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, most of my season started out not well. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, I have some points to stick out in 2006. We had some DNFs early on. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them, I, I was leading a race in Texas and blew up. Uh, okay. You know, had a couple couple rough ones and then I always came on strong at the end of the year or so. Mm -hmm. um, nothing huge that stands out in 2006. Okay. Well, seven. Gotcha. I mean, Oh, seven was obviously a big one for you. And, and that's what I was going to say. I didn't want to bypass 2006 as we were getting closer to 2007 and all the great stuff that happened there. But prior to the ATV open, when, um, you know, you would have raced all the ATV nationals, right. And then you probably went to some of the WPSA races too. Yeah. So Oh six, I was doing, um, yeah, both both series we could fit both in. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. Now you've kind of sparked my memory here. So, 2006, I ended up finishing um, third in the WPSA series. I, I had a lot better showing there. Okay. Uh, than I did in the at the nationals. Gotcha. Um, 
And uh, again, same thing. They had all the hype. The you know WPSA was like you know it was pumped up. You go to those races and you know TV crews and people everywhere, and they're throwing jack links at you and stuff like this. Our, so our, was, our our sport wasn't <laughs> used to that. Uh, no, yeah. it was it was crazy. I mean, the tracks mm-hmm. looked perfect, and you know they yeah. had covers on the hay bales and stuff like this. So. Well, and you and you had touched on the fact that you um, liked kind of the the Supercross stadium style stuff, and and WPSA was a little more like that it was it was and i know i was disappointed because going into 2007 um yamaha told me that they're going to split us up and i was going to be riding the nationals and they were going to have spader doing the wpsa races and i wasn't huge on that but you know it worked out in the end okay and i was going to ask about that i was going to ask you know what had you and i've probably figured it was a manufacturer thing um but i wondered you know what had kept you at the atv nationals while all the other guys were not all the guys but you know majority of people were running wpsa but i mean you know credit to you you go to the the atv nationals you finished third in points which was awesome you had five consecutive uh you know podiums at one stretch of the season there and um you know i was gonna ask you what it was like during that period though because it was like the atv nationals were a little more barren you know not necessarily throughout the classes but um maybe in the pro class so what was it like being you know there was like there was three big guys right there was three main contenders i feel like and as one of those guys what was that like during that period i've never got to ask this question before yeah, it was, I mean, you know, there was always that hype that, you know, oh, yeah, this isn't the real pro class, and, you know, the real pro class. And I didn't mean it like that. that. No, no, I, I know you didn't. But no, I, I've been looking at it. That's the way, you know, how could you not look at it that way? Because you had a stack full of guys. You had all the factory rigs at the other place. And it was, you know, the three of us over at the WPSA or at the uh, Nationals. So, well, the um, crazy part, the crazy part, not to interrupt, hold that thought. But the crazy part was in 2006, it was so ridiculously stacked. And then for 2007 to, to have three guys that are, that are top tier pros. And then, you know, the rest of the guys just weren't on your, the three of yours level. Um, I just, it, it was like the demise of ATV motocross is what it felt like, at least in the ATVA side of it. And then yeah, obviously, yeah. obviously it came back. Thank thankfully. Um, but I wanted to ask that question, what it was like from your perspective, because it had to be odd. Yeah, it was different. What was cool, though, was that so the, all the races didn't conflict. Mm-hmm. So we started off pretty much with the same type of series that we had the year before. I remember that. Yep. We did a few races like that. Then the, then they started conflicting. Because at the beginning of the season, the WPSA guys used them as like warm-up races. Yeah, basically, warm-up races. Right? yeah and yeah. you know, there's still money on the line. They, oh, you know, of course. They yeah. had contracts that were, you know, that were going to pay contingency for both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I raced every WPSA that I could that, yep. you know, because it was money. It was, didn't you know, conflict. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was good experience and it was money. And what was cool about, you know, that too, was that, you know, we did the guys that were at the nationals did pretty good when the WPSAs came over and vice versa. I went over the WPSAs and had some pretty good runs over there that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a little bit of that too. The motivation was that I had been hearing that, you know, these guys aren't the real pros, you know, these are only these three guys, you know, right. um, it, it kind of, you know, yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun to get out there and, and show them that now we still have the pace on this side and that side, you know? Well, and, and again, it wasn't like you were mediocre guys. I mean, when you're talking yourself, Joe Bird and Jeremy Lawson, the three of you could have been top three at any race, no matter who lined up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and you know, it, 
it's a I, I look at even now because I've, I've talked to Joel about this a little bit and it's like it's such a different form of racing when you have you know because I've done the three guys and then I've done the whole line full of them mm-hmm. and I do better personally with the whole line full of them I don't know if it's the the hype or if it's uh you know but it makes a big difference in the racing when, when, you know, your second, second place guy can come from last and get, still get second or still get mm-hmm. third. It makes it tough. And I, I think, uh, you know, for Joel, I think he's, he's fast, you know, so oh, yeah. he would do good no matter who was out there and not, and Wien's fast too. Very, very fast. So. Of course. I do think it, you're on to something there though, because it is different when you have to worry about one or two guys. You know, I feel like that's just, it's a totally different mental game when it's like, Hey, you know, there's 10 guys or 12 guys or whatever the number is that can go win this race. Then it's like, Hey, I just got to go, you know, no matter what changes things up. And and then you get like, for us, we had guys like, uh, you know, Keith little or Tim four who might not have been the fastest guys, but they were winning races because they just, you know, they could get out there and win them. Right. And, um, you know, they were just really smart racers. Goodman, too. You know, you always got the starts mm-hmm. and uh, you couldn't get around these guys. They were too smart. You couldn't pass. <laughs> right. Even if you were, you know, the Natalies of that time and the, you know, all these, you know, all the fast guys. So uh, it's definitely a different it's a whole different game when you have that many guys. So no, you're exactly right. Especially when you talk about those names of guys that had been doing it forever, you know, that, uh, yeah, they just, they know how to play the game. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And, And you talked about how, um, you know, you were a guy that did the, kind of stepped up to the plate you were like a gamer when that when it was all on the line when all the guys were there that's when you stepped up to the plate and you know we were talking about uh 2007 that's when um you know the 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 had to be the highlight of your career right when that day happened at the the atv open invitational so i want to dive into that event we'll get right back to the show but now a word from our sponsors And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Welcome to the team, two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the offseason when he announced his move to CST Tires. The CST takeover has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons, and now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix Racing teammate Jeffrey Rastrelli are the most recent additions. The Pulse MXR tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins in three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles, Nick Janusa to the Pro Class podium, myself Cody Jansen as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a Pro Class national championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hatrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST tires. Are you? CST tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep 8TV MX podcast. 
whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATV MX Pro Class National Champion Chad Weenan, or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at Valvoline.com. SSI decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Weenan, the company quickly took off. And today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, short course off-road trucks, UTVs, snowcross, and oh yeah, six-time NHRA world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by DID in their range of championship winning chains. Powered by technology, DID chains are designed to give you the greatest strength to weight ratio, making them the optimal chain for racing and giving you a championship level edge. DID has been driving championship winning race programs since 1933, chosen by champions such as Chad Weenan, Joel Hetrick, and myself, Cody Jansen. Champion above the rest is DID's 520 ATV2 chain, with those same design principles and materials being used throughout their entire line of products, including their on-road category as well. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or a reputable online e-tailer. DID what drives you. We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of 
pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits. Visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. 4Works Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon, always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades, supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2021's impressive lineup includes Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rastrelli of the Phoenix Racing Team, myself, Cody Jansen, and my back-to-back national championships, Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, Wesley Wolf, and many more, including all of the top 14 GNCC Series pros, led by the champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, and Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com. Purchase at your local dealer or message the show for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. 15 years into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back with us and continuing to make huge waves in the ATV world. For the second consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for some of the fastest riders on the planet. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products available for all makes and models. Want to be just like Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rastrelli riding with Factory 43's industry-leading products? Head over to factory43atv.com today. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC has been supplying riders with aftermarket components from the industry's top brands for over a decade. With over 80,000 products in stock for your ATVs, UTVs, metric and HD motorcycles, dirt bikes, and snowmobiles, Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC can tend to all your power sports needs, from hard parts to riding gear. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads also offers hard-to-find used parts for your vintage dirt bike, ATV, three-wheeler, or snowmobile. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders of $100 or more. We're grateful to have Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Thank you, BTQ LLC. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. 
Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grip's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the Family Affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people, and leaving that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the concrete division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundervilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. People talk about it, obviously, still to this day. Um, but at the time, you know, could, I wanted to ask you if you could sense how monumental of an event it was, um, you know, one that people still talk about to this day. Did you feel like it was that big of a deal at the time? Even, even I guess, before the event, did you, did you feel like this was yeah. a killer opportunity? Yeah. I mean, I was so excited when they announced they're going to do okay. that. That was, that was the best thing ever. Okay. Um, you know, I'm standing there looking at the track, talking to Kevin Wyndham and, you know, mm-hmm. signing autographs with Dungey and it was just, it was awesome. Okay. You had all their people. And, um, you know, I mentioned on one of your posts just that it was, it was gr- when those fast guys saw us ride, they, they weren't like, it wasn't like all these quad riders are holding people up or doing this or that. Those guys all were very impressed with what we were doing. You know, all the ones I talked to anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a great weekend. It was fun. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about that. Cause I knew, I remembered stories back then of, of, yeah, like, like that Kevin Wyndham had been super impressed or whatever. And I've, I mean, I think that any, think that so many of us have heard you know top level dirt bike guys see you know top level pros like you um in in what they were able to do on a four-wheeler and obviously it's impressive um it's more the it's more the 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 i don't know how to say it but it's not top level guys that that have that have ever said anything crappy about quads that's not it so yeah um, i mean the top level guys know that that we're working you know this isn't this isn't a one-off thing. We're just some guy with a six pack that's out here riding the fancy around. And, and right, doing, yeah. oh, they, they can see that there's a lot that goes into riding these things. And most of them have ridden a quad and know how 
just stupid they are to jump and they do all this wacky stuff and mm-hmm. i've been riding a dirt bike a lot more than i had to ride a quad and whenever i get on the quad i'm like what what am i doing right yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's 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 not quite as easy i don't think no. um but you know, yeah we play that clip at the end of every episode of of uh uh, filthy Phil Nicoletti. And he's, he's remembering that day and, and remembering back to Doug Gust. He's like, you know, Doug Gust is going as fast as James Stewart and, um, and whatever. And, and so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was the, the feeling is that you guys were, uh, you know, super impressive, obviously, which is cool. Um, but tell me about that day, you know, it was a one moto format, right? Um, you had to be invited in, so it was an invitational as a one moto format at steel city, the weekend of the pro outdoor national race. I kind of want to fill the blanks for the people that maybe, you know, haven't been around for as long yeah, as, been, uh, yeah. well, it's been 15 years ago. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel no. like it's been that long, but no, I kind of, kind of wanted to give all the details here for, um, for people that, uh, you know, weren't around back then. And it was, was it on Friday? Is that when it was? I think it was on Saturday because it was, it oh, was they race. So the bikes, motos. the bikes raced on Sunday back then, or, or was it between well, the, bike, the motos? The bikes raced on Saturday. Okay. And we did, um, we got our motors like out of the way, I think before they even began. So it was like, we did our, we practiced and qualified before they started their practice. Okay. And then I think we ran our first moto before theirs and then they did their full show. Okay. I think was the way it went. So was it a multi-moto format or a one moto? No, it was one. It was one moto. Okay. So it was a time it, qualifying and for gate pick, and then it was right into the to the one twenty minute moto. Okay. Um, so yeah. So I guess uh, take me through that day, that race. Um, you know, I I'm assuming, like I said, I know this answer, but it had it has to be the highlight of your career when you when you think back to it. So tell me about that day. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, the um, well, the track was there was like big, big jumps, bigger than what we had been probably used to before. Um, okay. Yeah, I remember, and we didn't get much time. The track was pretty sticky in the morning, pretty sloppy. Okay. Um, and we didn't get. We only got the one practice, so getting some of these jumps down was hard enough. Um, you know, right next to the gate, there was a huge triple double, and it was like everything you had to get over it. Right after um, the finish line, right? Finish yeah, line. Yeah, right after the finish yep. line. Yep, and you come up alongside the gate, and that thing was big. Um, and, and so you probably didn't have practice though, right? You had a time qualifier and that was, yeah, we had a time qualifying practice and, and that's that was it. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was quick. Yeah. And, um, I remember actually, I didn't even, I hadn't even jumped one of the big doubles in the back on the first, I jumped the first time on the first lap. Cause you had to, cause you're leading a whole shot. And I was like, well, <laughs> we're going to figure this one out right now. And right, so gotta it, go. it worked out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, we knew a few guys, a couple guys jumped and I don't think all, everybody did. And I was like, you know, got to go. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you got the whole shot. It was, was it, was it muddy for the races too? Was that, was it muddy for that race a little bit, a little mucky or a something? A little bit. Yeah. It wasn't terrible, but um, it was, it wasn't perfect track by no means. Okay. So. And I, and I feel like the stories that went around back then were, were that you got the whole shot. You were able to send all the jumps early in these, in the, in the race while everybody was kind of uh, messing around with each other, trying to get around each other. Maybe some people weren't jumping, uh, you know, the, some of the 
jumps or whatever, you get out in a way and uh, you just check out. So was it a long race with, with a lead like that? I mean, you hadn't won a motocross an ATV national until no. that, that point. So, yep. um, I mean, I feel like this is even bigger than just winning an ATV national. So, um, I mean, take me through, do you remember what you were thinking as this moto is going down? Cause it's had to feel like forever. It, um, yeah. I remember towards the end, like, okay, where's that white flag? Where is right. it? Come on. Come on. Um, yeah. but I mean, I, I was riding awesome that week and the bike was dialed in. Um, that was a, you know, custom access quad we had, it was, uh, the suspension was awesome. Um, Andy from custom access. Now he's P1 suspension. Okay. Uh, bike work was working great. Uh, Turner was my mechanic at the time. And yep. my father, of course, still Turner yep. wrenches, but we were hooked up. The bike was running great that weekend. It was DASA motor, um, you know, GYTR and everything that we had on it, but everything was perfect. And I got a whole shot and it was like this, this one's not getting away from me. I almost threw it away. I think in the last lap, I almost like endoed into a turn on the brake bumps because I was so excited, but luckily I kept it together and I got that one win. And, um, uh, it was, yeah, it was a big money win. it was like, you know, the purse was ridiculous. I'm sure. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, then I pay outs for, uh, you know, bonuses, win bonuses and stuff like that. So that was awesome. But really just the, you know, the win being right there, I, I see that picture all the time of me coming across the finish line and Paul Turner, mm -hmm. you know, hugging it out at the end of the race. And, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a great one. That's so cool. Did it feel like you finally had gotten over the hump to win, you know, uh, ATV national? Yeah. And, you know, you know, then moving forward, I, I thought I, I thought that was going to be it for me. I thought, okay, you know, now I'm here. I'm going to do winter races, but it didn't work out that way. So. Right. Well, I guess maybe that makes that one that much more special, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so. that was definitely a good one. Yeah, that's, uh, that's just, uh, an amazing thing. And, and I feel like since I, you know, kind of started digging deep and, you know, put these posts out there, um, kind of reminiscing on some old times, that's just a day that always seems to come up because people hold it in such high regard being that you were, you know, in front of, uh, and, uh, pro national crowd in front of all the factories. That was the heyday. Like we talked about earlier of all the factories being there such great exposure. It was the finale for that, for the, the dirt bike series. So it doesn't really get any bigger than that. Um, you know, I guess when you think about, and I, and, and I put this in the bio for the write-up for this, uh, this episode, but it had to be one of the most, if not the most prestigious ATV events in the history of the sport. I mean, that's how, that's how I look at it. That's how so many people look at it. So to think that, so to think that, you know, you won that race, uh, going away, like that was your event. Um, that's just gotta be, gotta be an amazing feeling 15 years later to still be having people talk about it still. It's just an incredible memory for not only for you, but for so many, um, you know, I feel like that's, uh, gotta be. A Walk over here real quick. I got the, uh, I still got the cup over here. There, so there you go. For it, yeah. Um, but no, awesome. you know what was awesome about it was that we were, it wasn't like we were a sideshow. Right. You know, the people, the fans and stuff, they were so hyped up with what was going on with that race. It wasn't like, you know, they were just filling in, this is going to, we're going to ride, you know, whatever they do to fill these things in while the dozers taking care of the track. Right. It wasn't we the half, it wasn't the halftime show. Yeah. We were part of the show and the people there, you know, dirt bike fans that came there to watch dirt bike races were coming up to me and like, that was awesome. I can't believe you guys are jumping. That's crazy. How are you doing this? And it was like, yeah. you know, everybody there, you know, and I, you know, I won, so I had the most fun, but 
everybody had that. There's people coming up to them telling them how impressed they were. Uh, it was fun. It was awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. So based off of something that I read, um, and I and I kind of remember some of these thoughts going around at the time, but was there a real thought that ATVs may actually race with the bike series um, in the following years? Because I swear that that was a thought and, and I actually read it, you know, preparing for this. But was that a thought uh, following that event that that might be a thing that happened more than just one uh, one off event? Yeah, and I think it was a like kind of a test run too. They were doing that that okay. weekend to try to figure out if it would work. Okay. Um, you know, I think what happened was that then the that was going to be the way that the AMA was going to drag everybody back because oh. right we had everybody split. They were doing WPSA. It makes and sense. I feel like if WPSA would have continued, that they would have kept looking at that, but then. WPSA went under and yeah. all of a sudden everybody was back anyway. And why everybody. bother changing anything? We're going to be right. making all the money anyway. So that makes a ton of sense because yeah, where, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? If you don't have the ATV nationals, WPSA is gone. I do think that that creates a, a whole nother um, maybe issue with the pro quads being away from the rest of the series. I mean, I don't know if that was, a, would have been the right thing either, but. And then there was also talk that they were going to do, you know, we were going to have three or four races with them and okay. the rest of them back with our guy, you know, yep. what, what I think what they would have done, what the idea was going to be was maybe make it like an eight race amateur series and a 12 or 14 race okay. you know, pro series. And, and that would have made sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it would have been great exposure for, for the pros and, and everything to it uh, in a, in a, in some kind of alternate universe, it would have been awesome to see. It just never happened. Yeah, and because you have to keep the pros with the with the uh, other guys. I mean, that was that's great. my one argument. One thing I never did was I never left the track before the pros were done. You know, mm-hmm. all my amateur career, I was mm-hmm. studying. You know, the pros every every race. Exactly. Uh, yep. You know, even you know, all the way yep. through. And in the years that that followed your career, that butted up to kind of the beginning of my pro career, I remember being in all those meetings and people saying, yeah, we need to get with the bikes. We need to get with the bikes. We need to get with the bikes. And that that just uh, what you're talking about, kind of being with all the amateur quads and then having some additional events at the amateur bike or, or the, I'm sorry, the pro bike races, like they kind of do, they do the Daytona thing and they did yeah. you know, Crawfordsville and stuff like that. It would have just been basically similar to that, just having some more events that's a great thing but you can't you can't split the pro quads away from the amateur quads that just would never work yeah it would never work um but yeah so uh the next year i kind of want to jump to the next year you got to come back to the event wearing the number one and there's those pictures out there with the the gold number plate and stuff like that uh that had to be a cool thing for you too i would think yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. That was cool. That was, uh, it was nice to put number one on the bike. I wish I could have kept it on there. I mean, I had a red plate <laughs> and stuff like that too, but you know, Wimmer right. had other ideas and then Kramer. So, yeah. uh, but no, it was, it was fun to wear the number one plate. Wish I could have backed up that win. Didn't do it that weekend either, but um, no, definitely, definitely cool. Uh, got some really cool ads in the magazines and stuff from that race win. And uh, it was, it was neat. 
That's awesome. Um, yeah, I feel like, uh, like that had to be a pretty cool thing when you kind of sat back and looked at the number one on your quad that had to be pretty special. So, um, and I feel like, you know, you raced for a number of years after that, you know, I don't know if you have any memories that stand out, um, over the course of those years, but I do think people forget. I mean, you know, you talk about that, uh, that win, but that was only in 2007, you were still around yeah. for another handful more years. And I feel like people forget that from time to time. So, um, does yeah. anything, does anything stand out uh, over the course of those last few years there? Yeah, we had some good, some good races. Uh, you know, we, we struggled a little bit and, you know, the next couple of years, a lot of the early season problems and stuff like that. But um, uh, definitely, I mean, there was some, there was some really good moments. Um, we had uh, 2008, we uh, switched over to the factory rig. We, you know, okay. we had a full factory set up in 2008. Yep. So, um, you know, that was awesome. Um, and and I you, to... you got another podium in 2008 though, too, right yeah. at the, at the, the abbreviated, uh, the muddy race at, at moto format, man. Sunset I need the format. It's there like you go. Yeah. Are on the one, you know, or good races. Uh, yep. yeah, that was another mud race. Uh, I was in second, the whole race with me and when we were going back and forth, he, he was in points. So he was try, probably trying to like, you know, just get a win and, you know, get out of this weekend. Okay. I'm of course like nowhere in the points. So I'm just bonsai for it. Win. That's all I care about. Um, I, I remember I, it. I remember it being so muddy that day. Oh yeah. It was terrible. It was yeah. so muddy. Yeah. Um, I, I went for a pass like on the last lap and uh, I think I crashed maybe, but not bad. And uh, the tally <laughs> yeah. got around me. So I finished that race weekend in third, third. Yeah. Um, and I had some solid races in between there, but, um, you know, and a lot of the little things stick out just, you know, certain jump sections. Like I like think about these things all the time. Like, um, there was one, I think it was probably 2008 at, uh, Unadilla. There was a section there going up the hill that was, um, it was double, double single. Okay. But like Kramer and I started doing this triple and then doubling up over the top. And it was like, that stuff, it was, this section was, had to be like two seconds faster. It was okay. God awful scary. Yep. And uh, actually I think uh, who, I think Mark Kendall crashed and broke his wrist trying it once or something. Okay. Um, but it was, it was like stuff like that. These little jumps and, you know, triple, triple section stuff like that. I find sure. myself going back to them all the time. Like, Oh, that was so fun. It was so much faster and right. stuff like that. So like, like I used to be that guy. You yeah. Know, when you think <laughs> back on it, you know, it's gotta be. Yeah. yeah even be cool. if I wasn't winning the races, I, I had moments, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, well, one practice and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always felt like you were, you, you were a technical rider, you know, you were a, when it, when, uh, and, and I guess you're kind of referencing it there, but when it came to being, uh, you know, technical in a section, putting sections together, that's how I always thought of you. And it's funny that you say that the stadium style or supercross style stuff is where you shine, because that's exactly how I thought about you when it came to figuring out sections, figuring out, you know, intricacies within the track to be a little smoother, jump something a little different. That's how I always thought about your riding style. So it's funny that you say that because uh, you're kind of touching on the same thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and I go back and try to think, you know, what could I have done to, to have been better? I had the right training program where, you know, Dustin and I were both working with uh, Moto TST at the time, which is yeah. still great friends with him. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, our training was there, you know, at the practice track, Dustin and I would be like the same pace. And I just on race weekend, it just wouldn't, I couldn't get it together Okay. Um, for any more of those wins. So, uh, you know, I go back and look at it. There was a time there, and uh, I kind of wonder sometimes uh, going into 2008, 
Um, I, I did some riding the all season with the Suzuki guys okay. and uh, back with Kevin. And, you know, things when I was riding for Kevin, things went so well with, with Lost Creek Cycle. So I always kind of wonder, like, I wonder if it would have went that path, if it would have, you know, been different for me or what. But, sure. Um, yep. I can't, you know, I, I look back at it and how can I regret anything? I had just an awesome experience. The people mm -hmm. I met and the relationships that I built and, um, you know, and being the Yamaha, you know, Yamaha's guy for all those years, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, um, I, I've had this conversation with so many people I've lived it too, but I feel like all the stuff that you've learned, you know, all the stuff you learned throughout your career, the, the drive, the passion, the dedicating yourself to something, all the life lessons, you were learning so many lessons as a young person that nobody would ever learn. Um, you're kind of baptized by fire, right? When you're going through these things, traveling the country, doing, just being in all these different scenarios you would have never been in. Um, yeah that's shaped you into the person you are today. I, I guarantee it. Yeah. yeah. No, the life experience I gained from that is just, it, you know, by far outweighs anything else. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely missed that part. You know, I missed the grind, the, the training, the being on the road all the time and, you know, living out my motor home, going to track to track and stuff. That stuff was great. But um, yeah, like I said, I mean, I made so many good, you just met so many people that helped me out and, uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I covered some of them between, you know, Kevin from Lost Creek and Corey Ellis and Steve yeah. Nashville, Travis Hollins, uh, Larry Whalen. Uh, when I won that race out in St. Louis, that stadium race, okay. uh, Donaldson Cycles, which is in St. Louis, they were there. Uh, they were doing a little bit extra money on top of the, the win. And I ended up talking to him and I uh, was like, you know, I don't have any Yamaha type sponsorship yet. And he hooked me up with a ride. And now, you know, like lifelong friends, I, I talk to Larry all the time. And, uh, you know, same thing. So, but yeah, so 2007, eight, nine, you know, they kind of eight and nine kind of blend together. Um, 2010 was my last season. It, it was a last minute change for me on the ride. So that was, you were a Honda at the end, right? Yeah. Yep. So, uh, how, yeah, did, that, eight, how did that come about? Uh, just a late, a late thing, uh, with Yamaha, we kind of didn't know what was going to happen. And, um, you know, we didn't start building that bike. I, I was just uh, telling my buddy about this. We were building my 2010 race bike at the track. I had never ridden the race bike. I hadn't ridden the A-arms. I hadn't ridden anything about it. I'm oh building it at the track. Um, and as it turned out, it was probably one of my best opening rounds because I think I got like ninth or seventh. But, okay, you know, if you look through my past, all my race first races were awful. So <laughs> I'd either crash or blow up. So, um for building this bike and i remember we had the wrong we had a-arms that were for the older spindles and we had the other we had the wrong ones we had to beat the a-arms with a hammer to notch them so that the brake calipers wouldn't hit it was just a disaster okay so they got off to a terrible start there but uh, you know all in all it wasn't too bad because i still was in the top 10 right um, I had uh, Norris Quinn from Quinn Motorsports wrenching for me that year and uh, he's he was a great guy um he was monumental for a couple of the different guys with suspension set up. I know he worked with Lawson and Natalie and stuff. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, by that time though, the writing was kind of on the wall. By the time I started getting that program together and getting some good finishes in 2010, I already pretty much knew that that was, you know, like, you know, the rumors were flying. So we kind of knew what was coming up and, mm -hmm. um, you know, I ended up going back to work like midway through 2010 and uh, at that time, you just, you couldn't you 
you couldn't work and, and do it at the same, you know, and be on the level. No. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, I feel like at that point, so the writing was on the wall, but uh, you know, I you also feel like it was probably maybe a, uh, don't want to put any words in your mouth, but was it easier to walk away then knowing that you had, you had been, um, you had finished out your career probably as long as you could, as long as it was feasibly possible, feasibly possible, as long as it made sense to do it. Um, I feel like maybe that makes it a little easier to walk away. Is, am I on the right path there? Or was it? Yeah, still, I mean, was look, it I would have rather, I would have rather take my number one plate and walk away like Kramer did. I just, I just mean like monetary wise, if the support wasn't there anymore, yeah, it's, very, I mean, it's very hard to justify. Yeah, I you know, 2009 was my last year with Yamaha. I, I made the commitment before that year. You know, I, I probably could have left them, but I said I have to give this another shot and see, you know, what I can do on my own. You know, sure. 2010 was pretty much a privateer year. Mm-hmm. I had, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I had, I had some good sponsors, but um, it was kind of something we were throwing together on our own. And uh, I didn't really care much about anything other than just making sure I had the best bike I could have and trying to do as best as good as I could. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. Well, uh, that, go ahead. No. And then just, you know, finished up, but yeah, at the end of that season, it was like, you know, looking at the guy, the teams that were going away and stuff. And it was, you know, where, where was I going to fit in going forward? And, you know, all it was going to be was trying to keep up to the couple guys that still had the support and it was going to take a lot of money to do that. So right. uh, it was a good time. It was a good exit time for me. Which is what I was saying. What That's what I was asking. I mean, it was yeah. like the writing was on the wall. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when you look back on your career, uh, you know, what are, do you have any moments that you're most proud of? I mean, obviously other than the, the big win, um, but you know, what are your feelings when you kind of think back on it, look back at it? It's gotta be, uh, obviously something, you know, we've covered this, that, that it's a great memory, something that you love, but what's, uh, what's your overall feeling when you think back to it? I mean, really, it's just the the experiences, and even more so than the race, like the race wins. I still get goosebumps thinking about the race wins. But mm-hmm. um, you know, the people that I met and the things that I got to experience. I, I got to go race in France, and you know, ran around Paris with with uh, Harold Goodman, and we. I went to Mexico with the guys from Yamaha, and we're in Baja, and you know, um, actually with the guys from the magazine. Um, this is Quad Magazine when Transworld had Quad Magazine. Yep. over there uh you know we got to go down there and ride all over the place and then i went with yamaha up with field and stream magazine to alaska and we did a fishing uh expedition where field and stream was there giving us guiding and then we had quads and rhinos out there it was just i mean like the best vacation i could ever imagine now i got to do for free because you know because yamaha hooked me up with that stuff and just the experience of being with yamaha and going to their dealer shows and going, you know, going to their autograph signings and signing next to James Stewart. And, you know, it, it was awesome. I, it was the best. To think that uh, I often think about this for, for guys like you to think that riding an ATV um, you were able to use that as a vehicle to have all these killer life experiences. That's just yeah. an amazing thing in itself. Yep. No, definitely. I mean, it's just, it was a, a great experience that I got to have. And, you know, I'm still so thankful for all the people that, you know, helped make that happen for me from my parents to, you know, all the people that I've mentioned here. It was, it mm-hmm. just what an experience. So uh, if I were to ask you your favorite quad that you ever had, would it be the YFZ or would it be something else? 
Yeah, Yamaha is, yeah. I, you know, even though I didn't finish out my career on the Yamaha, it's still, you know, I was on I was on Yamaha the whole time, basically. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I still buy Yamahas now. I got a 2018 450 dirt bike that I ride nonstop. I got a two-stroke. Uh, I like the Yamaha stuff. Okay. Yeah, I love to hear it. I sometimes wonder, because there's people from that era that uh, loved the hybrid so much, right? Um, that I wondered a lot of people, when you ask that question from your era, go hybrid. But uh, yeah, it's cool. It's obviously, we'd love to hear it. Yamaha supports our show. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a, the Yamaha now is amazing, but um yeah, it's, it's awesome to think about that first generation Yamaha and how much, uh, you know, how much you enjoyed it back then, how much of a futuristic quad it was in 2003 yeah, I mean, or four. And then yeah, I don't know if you remember or if you were, when did you first come to the races? Mm, oh, one, two. Okay. All like right. That. So yeah, you were around for when Corey Ellis brought that thing out at high. Yes. Yes. It was yes. Like, look at this bike. It was just awesome. And, uh, you know, the first time when I went and picked mine up, I went to this dealership up in Honesdale, Pennsylvania to get my first YFZ. Okay. I couldn't even get home. I stopped alongside the road. I had just a helmet and I went and rode in the, in these coal hills that I found. I was like, I got to ride this thing. I couldn't even get it to the house first. Oh my um, gosh. You know, and it was just, I was like, this is awesome. This is, this is like a dirt bike, you know, level quad. Yeah. And, yep. uh, you know, and now, you know, the new, with the 2020 that I had, you could ride it stock and you know, all that's what all the guys are doing now is all riding these stock bikes to train on. Awesome. Uh -huh. Awesome. I, bike. Agreed. I mean, I, I can't, uh, I can't put into words really what it was like when that quad came out, um, you know, in 2003, four, that, that time period, because it was like, I mean, I don't know. They sold it kind of like it was a dirt bike, but it was a quad, you know, like it was, uh, it was production that it was, you know, I mean, race ready is so different now, but race, it was like a kind of race ready sport quad, which just wasn't a thing. And, uh, yeah, so that was so cool. And then, yeah, obviously to think now what those guys do on those stock machines is, is truly incredible. And the years there too, were so great because with all the different different bikes out in the different manufacturers we were getting updates from yamaha every year or every right. two years they were coming out with you know different swing arm you know making the bikes better from the factory well which wow. they're still doing which is amazing that's the that's yeah. the incredible part about yamaha to think that yeah. they continue to make that machine better you know it you know it, they improved to having a slipper clutch they improved just these little intricacies the rear ends a little better all these little things that they made better year after year to think that they're not necessarily being pushed you know I'd, i mean there's really no other way to say it nobody's out there pushing them and they're continuing to innovate they've been innovating from the start um that's got to be cool and then to, you know for somebody like you who was affiliated with yamaha for the of your career pretty much it's got to be cool to to have them still be the one that's pushing the sport um you know you got to probably still wear that yamaha you know proud on your sleeve i would think yeah i, I do i mean the company was great and uh, mm -hmm. again just, for the opportunities they gave me you know i would you know their their bike's awesome and their products are are just excellent and mm -hmm. uh you know if i'm gonna buy my utility quads of yamaha my dirt bikes of yamaha you know I'd, yeah i would so no brainer. Uh, okay. So what about, uh, if I asked you toughest competitor that you had to compete against, uh, who would you say? Oh, or, or maybe, maybe you could hybrid the question. Um, you know, biggest rival, maybe somebody you always felt like you were racing anything yeah. like that. Give me, and that's what I was going to do because tonight. the toughest competitor a lot of times was, was, uh, you know, winning the races and I was hanging out somewhere else. But, um, 
Okay. You know, there was guys that the battles I had with Lawson probably in the pro am class were my favorite. Um, okay. Because you couldn't, you, there was one race at, uh, at Bluntville, Tennessee, um, at Muddy Creek. And I remember I got tangled up in the start with law and Lawson was out front and I tracked him down and passed him. And like in my head as I'm coming up and I was last, I came up and I passed him. And, um, like I thought he would be mentally beat. You know, like he knew I was in the back and I came up and caught him and, and you now I pass him and then he like passes me back. And then we battle, like we've been battling the whole, like we, like, I didn't just do this run. Right. And, um, you know, that uh, Harold Goodman too, I had races with him like back and forth and like didn't give up. And, uh, I, I love that stuff. Yeah. That's, those are such, uh, such incredible memories to just to think back to. That's why I wanted to ask that question because, um, maybe even sometimes to the outside eye, you went to your days battling at the top of pro-am. So everybody saw those battles, but sometimes in throughout your pro career, you just, you just find yourself around some guys like all yeah. the time. So, yep. uh, that's why I wanted to ask that question. So we talked about that. You keep up with current racing, um, somewhat, you kind of keep tabs on the guys, uh, you mentioned his name at the start of this thing you know you were racing against chad weenan during your career pretty much all of it um yeah. how amazing is it that this guy is still still at the peak of the sport he's still seemingly getting better and better every year <laughs> uh i needed to ask you about that before we let you go i'm, I'm very impressed uh with with what he's done he's um like you said yeah he was there yeah he was impressive and you guys have gone over his story but when he came when he became you know who he is now that that one year happened in 2006 was it seven year? Seven. 2007 when he when he, when he got the, the suzuki ride yep yeah that's when he went and he had that honda in the beginning of the year he went yep. from like not somebody that was really in contention just like right he passed he went through the pack at glenn helen on that honda like I was like, what is he doing? He's going way too fast. Why is he? He went from like way back behind me to just like the front of the race and then blew up, you know, yeah. he blew the Honda up a few times before he got on the, the Suzuki. But yep. yeah, he was, uh, he was fast all of a sudden. And um, it's impressive that he's been able to, you know, to keep at it and, and, you know, I'm happy for him. Yeah. A little bit jealous, but happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Um how do you want to be remembered as a racer or uh, that's a difficult question for some people. So uh, if, if that doesn't work, do you have a message for, uh, for your fans out there? Well, I'd like to be remembered as just the fastest guy to ever be on a quad. But I, I don't <laughs> think I'm going to get that. Um, so, hey, Hey, some of the days you were, yeah, yeah, some of the days I was, yeah, there was a time and place. Um, I, I mean, like, I mean, I think I had a good style. I had, you know, uh, I think I was, you know, good to people I was racing with and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I, um, I mean, I can't, you know, people are going to think of me what they do, but uh, I'm just thankful for the opportunity this, this sport gave me. Yeah, that's uh, that's great way to put it. I always thought of you as somebody who was always in the mix. You were always like consistently in the mix. That's how I felt like it. And I wanted to, you know, I knew you had got some, some, some more wins that weren't just ATV national wins. So it's not like you weren't winning races as a pro, but uh, it sometimes felt like you just always were right there and, and you didn't get the win. So it was, you know, awesome to obviously see you get over the hump. I didn't know if it felt like that to you. Um, like you were always on the cusp of it and, uh, and maybe weren't getting those wins. Like you were always yeah. so close to, I feel like. 
I, yeah, I feel the same way. And I, I wish I would have known and been still 10 years later, still thinking about like, what was it that just made it happen this weekend? So, you know, looking at the, uh, I follow the Supercross races, of course. You look at like Blake yeah. Baggett, the same kind of like thing, like, you know, all of a sudden one day he's just way faster than everybody else. And then he wasn't. And I, you know, that's kind of like how I was. And I never was able to figure out what it was to, to like get myself there consistently all the time. You know what? Sometimes things just click, right? And in some yeah. days it's like the pace, you know, you're, you're going at peak speed, fastest guy speed, and the pace just doesn't seem that fast. It's like yeah. things just yep. click that day. Yep. No, absolutely. So, and I worked with guys and tried to, re- you know, it wasn't for a lack of trying or lack mm-hmm. of training or anything like that. Um, Yep. You know, just some weekends I had it and other weekends I wasn't quite there. Right. So. Well, um, yeah, I think that, I think that you're right. It's uh, sometimes there was just that lightning in a bottle and um, there's no denying that you had that. So um, if I had figured out what it was by this point, I'd be back there trying it again. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or if you could, uh, if you could figure out what that was, you could sell it for a, for a big price. Cause I feel like that's uh, something that a lot of people try to find. And you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's hard, especially when you're, I mean, the guys that you raced against the names of guys that you raced against are some of, I mean, if not like, like all of the greatest guys of all time, right? Like, yeah, you know, I mean that you were in that era of just racing the baddest dudes that there were. So, um, I mean, that's obviously part of it too. You were just racing such gnarly guys, such great support. I mean, that that's, that's undeniably part of it. Yeah. I, I mean, look, the teams all put so much into it back then that, you know, it was, it was cutthroat. The racing was like, you know, we're here to win. Everybody's here to win. So there was no friends on the track whatsoever. Um, and, you know, everybody was just trying every, you know, type, like the top guys now are still doing it. But uh, to me, it was like everybody was doing every single little thing they could. And we kind of took a jump when we did this, this training program with the TST and Dustin and I, yeah, uh, Harold Goodman was involved in that in the beginning. Um, Donnie Banks was a big mentor in that program too. And you know, I'd be uh, if I didn't mention him during this, you know, I, I need to because he was a good friend still. And uh, you know, but look, I mean, it was everybody was going, giving it all they had. So mm-hmm. and any weekend I could have been, you know, the top guy. So. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it was the heyday for for ATV racing, and I feel like um, when we think back to some of those memories, some of those wins and stuff that you had, the reason why they're held in such high regard is all the guys that were there. You know, that's yeah. why it was the heyday. So, yep. um, do you have any advice for uh, you know current y- riders, maybe younger riders chasing uh, chasing their dreams like you once did? Uh, you know, take it all in, but uh, you know, I would say enjoy it, but, uh, you know, enjoy the work too. I know, I don't, you know, I don't know what the guys are doing now, but, um, you know, working hard and, you know, if you're winning, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> so, uh, you see, you know, I look at like the, uh, the Supercross guys, how they have the, you know, the album bakers and, you know, these camps that are doing this hardcore training, but it's, it pays off if you do it that way and you, uh, and you win and, uh, you know, it might not seem like the most fun at the time, but you're going to, you got to really appreciate when you get to be 10 years out of it, a decade out of it, like I am, to be able to pull up the website here. I'm looking at Wimmer, Bird, Natalie, Gus, Jones. I'm on this list. You know, I want I want my name on a championship there. So right, yeah. say put in the hard work because uh, nobody really remembers second place. 
Well, yeah, you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head when you said that uh, when you're winning, it's a lot more fun. Those are probably good parting words. Those are words of wisdom right there. Uh, but uh, man, I, I can't thank you enough. I mean, this is such an awesome conversation. This is obviously one, like I said, that I've been looking forward to for a long time. So uh, it surely lived up to the hype. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to listen to some of these old memories. And I hope that uh, you enjoyed it as much as I did, because this is a blast. No, I, I really have. Um, you know, thank you for having me on. I'll, I'll be listening to, to all the future races and uh, hope everybody uh, stays competitive and healthy and happy uh, out there on the track. Yeah, well, it was an absolute pleasure to have you, pal. If uh, you ever want to come back, talk about some current racing, tell some more old stories, anything like that, um, you're always welcome here because it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, maybe I'll check you out at the track here soon. Yeah, that would be a blast. You're the man. That's uh, 2007 ATV Open Invitational Champion, forever a legend, Pat Brown, brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping by using code DiggingDeek20 at manscaped.com. Thanks again, pal. Take care. Thank you. See you later. See ya. Man, what an awesome dude. What an awesome story. Major thanks to tonight's guest, Pat Brown, for joining us. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to our sponsors, CSD Tires, shop.csdtires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support the brands that support our show, and don't forget to use those codes to save. You can find them on our website, and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all of your off-season needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise, including Digging Deep shirts, hoodies, our new Quad Guys Get Hot Chicks t-shirts, and more, are available at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. And if you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Buy Me a Coffee button. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to help us out. You can call us anytime and leave a voicemail at 920-569-3519 and follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content and breaking news, including a huge announcement from Digging Deep in the coming days regarding a brand new and major endeavor we're about to roll out for the 2021 season, so stay tuned for that. We are so pumped. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. You know the drill. Basically, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. All of our episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, our new show merchandise, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com. So check that out today. Be a friend, tell a friend, please download, subscribe, rate, and review. That really does truly help us out. And with that, for Pat Brown, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen, thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV Racing, now 2 million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. See you next week. guys were hauling ass for real i remember watching doug gus i don't know who it was steel city running the same times friday afternoon as james stewart was on sunday back then
at Steel City. I, I, I would need to check this out. I, I, I'm dead serious. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. It's not easy, Steve. It's not easy. Listen, JB. I <laughs> no, don't want to hear. It's not easy. I don't want to hear. Quad dudes are freaking nice. You don't chew big red. Then. What the? <laughs> Valentine's Day is upon us, fellas, so make sure you're ready for wherever the night may take you. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so you can be ready for anything on that special day. Two million men are already trusting Manscaped's products. Make sure you're one of them. Your girl can't think of what to get you this year? Tell her to get the gift that's for you and her. The best way to get started is with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0, full of the best products to keep you looking, smelling, and feeling nice. The Perfect Package 3.0 is led by the revolutionary third generation lawnmower 3.0 trimmer which features a cutting edge and skin safe ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's also waterproof which prevents a mess on the bathroom floor and in the sink especially when it's time for Cupid to shoot his arrow. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with a pair of Manscaped boxers which are easily the comfiest boxers I've ever had and products to keep the boys in tip top shape. With the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped to top it off, this is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20.